One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back. It's my mate bought a toaster. Hello, mate. See how I'm using the language of the title of the show. That is clever branding right there. Tell you who else have got some clever branding. Jewelit. We love those guys. The prize is available. Nearly 500 quid's worth of brilliant Jewelit stuff. Listen, you might be thinking, oh, it's a bit of an advert at the beginning. It's really not. There's some great hashtag content in this bit as well. John Robbins, he's my guest today. What sort of noises does he make if he is given a Jewelit toaster. Oh, uh, is that a fancy one? This is I actually fancy... would really like that. Is it an advert? Is it the show? You'll never know. All you need to know is if you want to react like that, if you want to have that moment where you are handed a fabulous Jewelit toaster and many other Jewelit things and you react a bit like this. But guess what? What? You've got it. Oh my God. Seriously. That could be you doing some light blaspheming because you have won a fabulous prize package. Head over to dualit.com slash toasterpod, D-U-A-L-I-T.com slash toasterpod. Only a week or two left of this competition. So hop over to dualit.com slash toasterpod right now and you can feed that lust for all things Dualit, that lust best expressed by the very articulate John Robbins. I really want this. Oh, he always finds the right words. Honestly, it's like Tennyson reacting to a toaster. Any more for any more, John? I love Jewelit. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. Of course he did. Thanks, John. And so will you if you go to jewelit.com slash toasterpod. We could get on with the show, but I feel we've already started. Is it an ad? Is it the show? Who really knows? Or cares? It's mega lols already. What's a sandwich cage? Oh, when I need a laugh, there's a help in people. But don't pass talking to these funny people. He's asking what they find and they're telling the stories. Can somebody yell out the name of the show, please? It's my mate, Wood Toaster. Oh, it's my mate, Wood Toaster. Yeah, yeah, it's my mate, Wood Toaster. Oh, oh, Toaster for my love, thank God. Toaster Pod. Yeah, take it to the bridge. I saw a mate the other day who asked me if that's me singing all these... Of course it's not. I've got no discernible talent whatsoever. That's a man called Ed Beaumont. He's very talented indeed. Thank you, Ed, uh, for all of the fabulous things that you do for My Mate Bought a Toaster. Uh, Thank you for bringing your ears and for subscribing and being a toasty... A slice of toast, whatever you are. Hello. Uh, Today's guest is John Robbins. Oh, he's so good. I'm so, so happy uh, that I got him on the show. Um, One of those moments where he called me and said, I'd like to come and do your podcast. And I said, yes, yes. And it's a good one. Um, We talk about all sorts of stuff across the, it's a long one as well, the next hour. Um, Philip Larkin pops up. You can hear me attempt to quote Philip Larkin and fail miserably. Um, You can hear John talk about locked-in syndrome, which is quite a topic to take on. But once again, the nature of this beast Who knows what we'll be chatting about next? Locked-in syndrome, thyroids, or coffee? Which of those? Let me tell you. All of those and more are discussed because that's what we do here on My Mate Bought a Toaster. Um, It's a great, great episode. It's a fascinating walk through uh, John Robbins' life and career so far. There's some dark moments. There's some very, very funny moments. And there's a very good chat about printers earlier on. The whole thing is gorgeous. Thank you for listening. Um, Stick around at the end. I'll be telling you about my last episode of this series, uh, which is coming out next week with Alex Brooker off of the last leg. He is fantastic. And I'll be telling you a bit more about that at the end of the episode. So make sure you stick around. Oh, and also, sorry, we will start in a moment. Um, this is a an edited cut down episode. Uh, it's an hour, but there's about another half an hour up now, this second on our Patreon page. It's three quid for like a month. You can just join for a month and listen to all the John Robbins stuff. If you are a John Robbins super fan, uh, just join for, for three quid. You can hear half an hour of even more random stuff. Uh, it's patreon.com slash toasterpod. Patreon.com slash toasterpod. Shall we? Can we? Dare we? Let us. 
Hello, welcome back. It's my mate, Bought a Toaster, the only show that tells its guests' life stories via their online purchase history. My guest today is the brilliant comedian and broadcaster, John Robbins. Hi, Tom. Hello, everyone. Um, just like to apologise for coming straight from the gym. Uh, I hope the camera is picking up my gains and I hope they don't intimidate you. We are having to change the sofa because this is the Amazon confessional sofa. Mm. You're, the muscle is so weighted you down yeah. that the sofa was not, I was going up because you're so densely packed now as a person. Well, as you will see on my Amazon history, I'm getting through about a sofa a week. Yeah. Um, I I am lobbying for the disposable sofa, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is sort of three or four use max yeah. for guys like me who are born to bench. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like you found your tribe when you mm, go in the gym? Good cue. Um, I've got access to a lot of different tribes. Yeah. The intellectual elite, um, the, the CrossFit community. Yeah. Um, Don't mention golfers. You've got to mention golfers. Well, professional golfers. Yeah. Uh, great, um, the great sort of statesman of our age. And wow. I like to just sort of move between those, uh, you know, some of the great ambassadors, sort of d- the foreign diplomat community. Um, In terms of a Venn diagram, who then is there? Hmm. Who ticks all of those boxes? I think you might be looking at him. Just that guy? Yes. The only person able to solve problems affecting the five key areas of foreign diplomacy, CrossFit, golf, politics, and science. You are the leader of a tribe of one. Yes, yes, very good. There you are. Yeah, it's true, it's true. Um, But that's that's great, because that means no one's going to depose you. Although that could go into sort of self-loathing territory, we could well, do that. Well, what if of, I depose myself? Then a coup d'état, <laughs> a coup d'état de uno. <laughs> I'll fly a, a helicopter into my own house to extract <laughs> myself before breaking down my own front door. And um, would it be bloodless? Yeah, it'd be bloodless. It would be a sort of a cold coup. Um, but you know, just to, just to cycle back to the gym thing, my face is quite blotchy. That's um, fine. So that's that's my main yeah. sort of um, issue is is the sort of blotchiness of the face. But I don't see much do? blotch, to be honest, genuinely. Okay. And I'm not just saying that in a kind of no, it's fine, love. I genuinely don't see the blotch. Okay, do you, do, is so. is the blotch one of those things you get uh, very self conscious about? Is it your version of my hairline, where no one else cares but you feel it? Yes, I think I am very uh, hard on my uh, my skin. Mm. I'm very judgmental of my skin. Um, do you self troll. Oh, I massively self-troll my skin. Mm. And in fact, my Amazon history will tell a tale of products, sort of chasing your tail around products to Mm. try and cure problems that actually no one else notices. Yes, yes. But there's money to be made in them there. Oh. Self-curative hills. So much money in the um, SC hills. My Amazon buying history, I would say it only spiked in the pandemic because I... Um, was so miserly with myself that I didn't actually pay for Prime until the pandemic. And it actually wow. it actually um, began a real change in my thinking about money because mm-hmm. I've always been very, very tight with myself and focused on economies that were a complete waste of time and energy. And as soon as I bit the Prime bullet... Mm. It sort of changed my attitude to lots of different sort of financial things. Yeah. Like I was, I was fiddling around with thinking, right, I really need this for um, Monday, but if I if I get the free postage and packaging, there's a risk because it's Sunday, so it could be Tuesday. Oh. And I would sort of sweat all this stuff for the sake of two pounds, like ninety five or whatever. Awful, but living like it's two thousand and five. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not in those days anymore. So as soon as I got Prime, yeah, I. Uh, I, st- I stopped caring about little things like that. John Robbins 2.0 began. Uh, well, Probably no, 3.0 by then? No, that was four. Mark 13. Right, okay. John Robbins Algarve for Mac <laughs> users. Oh, that's just beautiful. What? So hang on, if we're going back to 2005 now, John, is this okay. John Robbins Mountain Lion? What was... What 2005, was, what was that's a, when I started doing stand-up. So that would have been John Robbins. Oh, wow. uh, what OS are we talking about here? Oh, this is like 2.1 yeah. John Robbins, um, John Robbins Ben Nevis. Okay, nice. <laughs> 
Right. Okay. The foothills. The yeah. foothills of this journey uh, as we begin an expedition into your shopping history. And uh, we start with the first thing you ever got on Amazon, mm-hmm. right? In t- November 2005. Yeah. You're sort, of, you're sort of looking quizzy, like you're about to try and answer the question. I'd be impressed if you can remember. Between Nothingness and Eternity. Oh, it's a Mahavishnu Orchestra album. Mahavishnu Orchestra. Yes. Talk to me. So um, I would have been, that would have been sort of towards the peak of my Frank Zappa collecting phase. Mm. I would have had most of the albums by then, but I, someone recommended John McLaughlin, who's got this, he's an extraordinary electric guitarist or extraordinary guitarist. Mm. And he's got this kind of real like machine gun sort of, approach to the electric guitar but he played with the Mahavishnu Orchestra who was sort of like a slightly more spiritual side of prog rock okay um and yeah but I wouldn't I wouldn't have called that as my first that's what it is quite cool actually I'm quite pleased with that it is cool yeah I'm quite cool actually yeah (laughs) you're gonna skip past the hemorrhoid cream (laughs) We have to offset it. It has yeah, to be yeah, usefully yeah, yeah. balanced. Light and shade. All right, okay. So, John, let's move into 2006, okay? so Glorious. Really great times. Van Morrison, St. Dominic's preview. Oh, what an album. Here he is, look. Um, oh, but what also, an album. can we get the same amount of enthusiasm for the Canon Pixmar MP500? This is a photo all in one with an LCD viewer in 2000 mm. plus six. Mm. That is groundbreaking stuff right there. To have my printing, my scanning... And my photocopying needs all in one. I can't tell you what peace of mind that provides. <laughs> uh, don't think I ever used the photocopier. I think I've scanned my passport once. Um, and it's sort of just general printing. But it's like a sort of admin insurance. You, it's, it was good to know it was there, a safety net of paperwork stuff that you never quite use. What if I suddenly start running a business that sort of lives by... 80s rules. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. need a photocopier, yeah. a fax machine. Ashtray. I believe it may have had fax. It may have been fax. Fax friendly. Fax friendly. Um, yeah. Yeah, printers, I have never allowed myself to be too reliant on them because they are sort of a very stressful product. That was uh, my last great tantrum. Was it? Apart from golf, maybe. But my last proper tantrum where I was like, I need to see someone about my tantrums, was destroying a printer mm. in about this time, actually, when I was about 25, 26. Luckily, they're about fiver now, those printers. They're sort yeah. of all in one. They are, they are five pounds. Yeah, but that's what they do. They make the printers cheap and then the cartridge is expensive. Do you know what I said to Ellis James the other day? I said, Apple should make a printer that's a thousand pounds, but works perfectly forever. I would, but I would absolutely 100% buy that. I, I'd been, I'd happily pay 100,000. I'd have a mortgage. I'd have a printer mortgage. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd be yeah, fine yeah, yeah. with that. At this point, though, you're doing stand up. How long have you been going for it in 2006? A year. Okay. A year and a bit. Treating it like a business, printing stuff. Do you, did you print up, uh, uh, you know, like set lists and stuff like that, or were you just uh, scrawling it on the No, hand this thing? would have been for printing uh, sort of posters for the a gig I briefly ran in Bristol. Oh, you were a Bristol boy, weren't you? Mm. So you lived, oh, I've forgotten this, so you lived with that Russell Howard. Russell Howard, John Richardson, yeah. Mark Olver. Yes. I once put on a gig at uh, the Richmond Springs, which was a double header of Russell Howard and Daniel Kitson. Yes. Something like three quid a ticket. Wow. I mean, could I shift tickets for that? No. No. It was literally like posters on... Um, in sort of w- windows of of like uh, news agents. Wow. I mean, how else did you? I may have mentioned it on my MySpace page. I think that's got to shift a couple. So we're in the Bristol years here, um, living in a house full of comedians. Presumably, that's a pretty miserable experience. N- lovely as all those people are, of course. It was great, actually. Oh, was I it good? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Competitive. It's- I would find it very competitive. I'd get very annoyed about people getting phone calls because back in those days, you get a gig booking on the phone. No, it was more. It was more collaborative. I think. So like. Quite usefully, like Russell was headlining, Richardson mm. was opening gigs, Olver was comparing, I was doing open spots. So there were a few times where we were the lineup for a gig. Oh. Um, and, you know, what would happen was, <laughs> you know, if Richardson got offered a gig he couldn't make, he might offer it to me. He'd say, oh, John can do it. But <laughs> we used to be, we'd be like sat in on a, on a, like a Wednesday night and Russell's phone would go. And he'd, and he'd look and be like, oh, shit. 
So he's just completely forgotten about a gig. He'd leave it. <laughs> Richardson's phone would go. And it would be the promoter calling Richardson to see if he knew where Russell was. He would leave it. Olver's phone would go. And um, so sort of Russell's sort of um, rather um, scatty brain would, would ripple mm. through our mobile phones. You'd be the snitch in that situation. I'd be the snitch. I'd be like, he's right next to me. He's yeah, right he's here, here actually. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm willing to take the gig. I can get there in half an hour. Subscribe, rate, review. 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 And don't forget to leave a review. And don't forget to say something nice. So you're in Bristol uh, with a bunch of comedians. In 2007 hours, we uh, journey through your Amazon purchase history. Uh, oh, look, a Nintendo Wii, because you do like fun. And nothing's as fun like the, the 22nd of October 2008. Because I don't have you down as a gamer. No, I'm not. No. Um, is it an entire Wii or is it mm. a controller? Two hundred and seven pounds you've spent on this. October two thousand and eight. Now I reckon what that is. So yeah. my family aren't particularly uh, sort of tech and internet savvy. Ah. My mum to this day uh, is not online in any way, shape, or form. Wow. Um, that would probably have. So I then became the sort of lightning rod for family purchases a mule an amazon mule yeah so that would have been an amazon mule purchase for my sister okay okay and her kids have you never been tempted by computer games because i always look at them and think i'd love to lose myself in something like the Wii for hours and hours but i just don't have the i don't have the right personality for them i don't know why. Um, twice in my life i've lived in houses with a computer console yeah a games console again that sounds so old a computer and console. that and twice i lost a summer to once to Wii Bowling oh. and once to Goldeneye. Yes. I mean, literally, this is living with Russell and John. Literally, blinds down, heat wave. They're all going to the park to play football. I'm like, no, I've got to get past this stairwell um, with my grenades. So I just always knew. And like iPhone games were a absolute nightmare for years. Yeah. I've now managed to get on top of that. Literally, you just can't even I can't begin. stop playing. Really? I just, missing gigs, missing stuff? Uh, I did once miss a gig for um, an online golf game called Shot Online, mm. which was sort of an alternative golf reality mm. where you would all sort of log in with your different characters, meet in the courtyard, wow. and there were lots of different sort of golf courses. Some were sort of fantasy, yeah. some were realistic. You know, if you did this, you'd get a new jacket, which would give you plus two accuracy. If yeah. you bought the, I mean, I spent so much fucking money on that. I spent, that's the thing. I spent so much money on it in small increments that Barclays called me to say, we think someone's like skimming your card. Wow. Because all these payments of two ninety nine were going out at like midnight and it was me buying. And how was that moment where you had to say to your <laughs> bank manager, yeah. no, no, that's my Sorry, choice. That's just me buying a cap for my online <laughs> golf avatar. Is it a real cap? No, it's sort of an NFT, but you won't know about those yet. Yes, um, you can have my date of birth, but you will be surprised by how old it makes me. Yeah, that was that was dark, dark, dark. God, I was just drinking so much rum, playing golf in an online parallel universe. Did you feel unhappy at the time, though? Yes. Did, oh, did you? Oh, God, it was awful. Oh, really? Yeah. Were you single? No, I mean, it caused the... It was a. It was an element of the breakdown of our relationship. Mm. Christ, oh God, you thicko. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what's next? <laughs> I love it when my guests move me on. Fifth um, of March, two thousand and eight. You have spent twenty five pounds on the Victorinox uh, Swiss Army knife. It's a classic Swiss Army knife. This thirty three functions. Let me. Can I see it? Yeah, blade, scissors. Oh, that's the full. That's the Swiss champ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's gorgeous. Why did I buy a Swiss champ? When I was about eight, my dad came to visit and he bought me a, a Victorinox. It was a Hunter Swiss Army knife, which I still have. And I and it was the second biggest one. And I said to him, can I have the Swiss champ? And he said something. He gets, sort of always had these little sort of metaphors for explaining himself. But he mm. said, it's like buying a pair of shoes. We wouldn't buy you a pair of size 
10 shoes when you're a size 6. Right. Well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. didn't have the magnifying glass! But the thing is that feet are guaranteed to grow to that age, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you will eventually get that size. Yeah, also it's not like that. It's like saying, I'm just, I want to buy you a slightly worse pair of shoes. Yeah, I want to... The one you want. But I... <laughs> get but, sandals. You know, it's not a bad lesson to learn, and that penknife has stood me in good stead. Can I say something? I did exactly the same thing. My dad bought me a penknife when I was a kid, and I loved it, and I lost it, and I really, really sad. My dad then died not long after. Um, <laughs> killed himself with a penknife, no. Um, he <laughs> subsequently passed away. And I was always very sad that I lost his penknife, and my wife bought me the bigger version of it when I was an adult, mm. and I love it so dearly. Mm. And I know exactly which drawer it's in. But crucially, I love it for emotional reasons. It's so useful. Yes, it is. Um I I was obsessed with knives when I was a kid. I was a collector of everything. Um, so crucially pre-eBay, but I collected yeah. knives, I collected farthings, I collected wrestling cards, I collected football stickers, even <sighs> though I never had the albums. I just liked it collecting big piles of stuff. And would you look at them and pour over them? Yeah. Um, coins were my big one. Really? Um, do you still have the coin collections? Yeah. Yeah. Do you still collect them or you just... No, I could do. Because like now I've got disposable income, which I didn't have then. Yes. So I could go back into it big style. But I don't know. There's something quite nice about collecting when spending the money on something really means means something. So mm. I, lots of comedians do like football stickers every year. Mm. And I hate it because they just buy... They buy like the bulk boxes direct yeah. from online yeah. so they'll buy like 20 boxes for 50 quid each it's a t- they'll just spend a grand on it and you're like well that's yeah. not what collecting is no it's about f- opening a packet and it mattering because yeah. that's your pocket money it's diamonds it's the same economics as diamonds you you there's loads of diamonds but they restrict access to the diamonds so they become more precious and more special mm. totally the same and when you're a kid collecting diamonds <laughs> You know that it's your two pound fifty pocket money, which is getting you zero point zero zero one percent of a diamond, and it matters. It means something. Yeah. So you were quite a, you were a collector. Mm. So I, that, I feel like collector introverted, quite sort of shy and sort of with your stuff. Or no, have I got that wrong? Yeah, ish. It's just the constant need for things to yeah. make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, that's totally gone away. <laughs> Let's move on now, John, into 2010. Mm. Uh, you've bought two Queen T-shirts. Oh, nice. You've bought the Silver Crest T-shirt, black, oh, and the see, Queen... Let me see, let me see. Uh, first? Is this is going to sort of recharge your Queen batteries. Oh, so good, yeah. Still yeah, got it? That's, uh, no, I don't still have that. Um, I would have just worn it out. I, did, mm. my, I had a Queen T-shirt, which I wore at uni, which was black with uh, sort of gold crest and i wore it and wore it until it had huge like a huge hole mm. uh huge holes everywhere and i still wore it when i was going through my sort of slightly gothy lou reed phase with jeans with big tears in yes studded dog collar distressed clothing mohican nice did you have a mohican yeah did you yeah i was i was quite cool um, but was queen cool at that stage i feel no, like never it wasn't never, was it no, they've never been cool in fact, do you know what? Now, I think they're probably cooler than they've ever been. I think so. So the the reverence for sort of Live Aid, for the Wembley years, it is interesting how they have become quite cool. Like in the 90s when we were sort of growing up and it was all, I was listening to the Smiths, but people were like Manson and, you know, that was the sort of, that was the offbeat alternative to things like obviously Oasis and Blur. Queen were not even in the race. They were not in the game. No. No. But I still flew, I mean, literally flew the flag. I did have a flag. You had a queen flag. I had a cap, hoodie, flag, badge, enamel badge, fan club badge, fan club membership card. Wow. Yeah, all that that stuff. Yeah, and have you you met Brian May? Have you done that? I've I've met him. I've interviewed him. I've shaken hands with him. I've discussed... Badges. Badges, depression, and Frank Zappa with him. Wow. Uh, I am very lucky to have met Brian and chatted to him. Starstruck? Did you have a Starstruck experience with him? First time I met him, yeah. But then, like, he's just such a... He's very generous with his time and his mm. thoughts. And I think he... I think anyone like that, when you're interviewing them... And it was the same, because I interviewed uh, Rami Malek when the film came out and the rest of the cast. Mm. If you've done your research and you even ask them one borderline interesting question... That just makes them yeah. go, 
oh, someone's actually read the book. Yeah. Oh, someone's actually t- cares. Yeah. It's like eyes light up. Yeah. Because it's so easy, I think, because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to whack out a, a YouTube video of an interview or like a five minute bit on a radio show. It's so easy to like want to get to the next bit and go, so Brian, God, Bohemian Rhapsody's just been voted number one song of all time. Mm. Would you, is it yeah. amazing you that happy? people mm. still like, yeah, 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 what's yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody about? You know, <laughs> it's, what was Live Aid like? And it's like, it'll be the 10,000th time he's been asked that question. Mm. So to go, um, I think the book he was promoting was a 3D Queen book about yes. uh, with stereosco- Which he stereoscopy. Inv- he invented, didn't he? Well, this- he invented these sort of owl glasses for looking at the pictures yeah. for people who can't free view. I can free view. Guilty. Oh, Tie me up. Send me to prison for a billion years. Um, so if you're just asking about the process, the thing he's interested in, which I think is polite. Yeah. If you're if someone's coming on to plug their book, mm. you know they're giving you their time for free. If you then go, oh, we'll talk about the book in a bit. What's what's it like being in Queen? What's mm. Freddie like? And then at the end, go, oh, and Brian's books of it. It's not. It's. Re- I think that's really impolite. Mm. Just on a completely separate topic. You yet to ask me about my tour. Yeah. <laughs> You've got some hemorrhoid cream. Um, we'll get to that. By the way, I've got a good Brian May story. Have you? Oh, doing that really annoying thing where I interrupt the podcast to say, oh, if you want to know the Brian May story, well, you have to stick around. We'll play an ad and then we'll be back and you'll hear the story. Honestly, it's very good. Bit of a tease. It involves, as all good Brian May stories must, Anita Dobson. Don't go anywhere. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome back to part deux of My Mate Bought a Toaster with John Robbins uh, this week. Before we crack on with John Robbins and, of course, the Brian May story, that's what you're all back in town for. I know you lot. We'll do it in a moment. Can I tell you about the wonderful podcast, False Economy? Uh, It's hosted by Vix Layton, who was on this very show couple of weeks ago she's very funny indeed uh, and paul watson and andrew o'neill as well and they have got some fantastic guests alison spittle who i adore brilliant irish comedian uh, that episode uh, has just dropped uh, she talks about all sorts of things uh, that she's been buying including her issues with tights and beyonce i don't know if that's the same topic or different topics anyway you can find out uh, if you head over to your nearest podcast platform and do check out false economy with vix Layton. it's a really good podcast they're friends of the show when this episode finishes why not tune into that do you tune into podcasts maybe not right shall we crack on by the way i've got a good brian may story have you hit me so he was going to a stargazing evening at a friend's house oh. and my friend harriet harriet scott off of Magic Radio and formerly done this podcast was uh, going to sing as well and uh, it was supposed to be Brian and Anita Dobson arriving and uh, when they arrived Anita wasn't there and Brian walks in with his massive incredible telescope as you'd imagine the most beautiful telescope ever and eventually people said well did did Anita not make it and he went no there was a bit of an issue because he had quite a small fancy car and he insisted that the telescope is so precious and delicate it had to go in the front seat (laughs) and Anita Dobson went well I'm not going in the back seat, Brian. And he went, well, make your choice. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're either coming 
in the back seat, or you're not coming at all. She stayed at home. Oh, they're a very sweet couple. I have yes. to say, I think they look very glamorous together. Yes, yeah. national treasures, both of them. Brilliant. Oh, Brilliant. November tangos. <laughs> they are full November tangos. December 2011, uh, you've bought Kate Allatt, running free, breaking out from locked-in syndrome. I did have a brief obsession with people who had been locked in their bodies in locked-in syndrome. And also locked away, because you also bought at the same time Terry Waits, Taken on Trust, and John McCarthy's Some Other Rainbow. Yeah, so this, so I had a bizarre unhealthy, slightly concerning fantasy about being trapped in a room. We can lock the doors. (laughs) I had this fantasy until... Not a fantasy... It was like an obsession with the idea of being shut inside a small space. And I think it was a way of my brain dealing with anxiety. was like, okay, well, what if you lived in this room. So it's almost like a form of mental agoraphobia. Yes. Um, uh, So I read Terry Waite's Fantastic Taken on Trust. I read John McCarthy's uh, Some Other Rainbow, named after a Van Morrison song. I read Brian Brian Keenan's superb An Evil Cradling. You also have here The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Yes, which is about being locked in. Can I just say the Amazon guy delivering these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything okay, mate? Do you wanna... Yeah, amazing that the door opens. <laughs> um, Leave them on the doorstep. <laughs> Just slide them under. Am I? Can I use the toilet yet? How how aware were you that this was borderline unhealthy at this point, or were you just sort of also eighteenth of December? It's Christmas time, you know, warmth and family and da da da, and here yeah. you are with these. Uh, Johnny J are not in a good headspace. I don't think. I think there's also a sort of slight especially with McCarthy, Waite and Keenan, mm. because you know they get out, there is a sort of, there's a, a genre of literature, sort of sci-fi literature I really like, called the Cozy Catastrophe film. Now, or the Cozy Catastrophe book. That does not apply. I would in no way suggest what happened to them. It was horrible. Of course. I mean, Terry Waite was in solitary confinement for five years. Maybe even longer. Unthinkable. Uh, yeah. Absolutely unbearable. Mm. And he snapped his tooth on day one. That is my favourite, not favourite, that is the the most striking detail of any of those books. First day of Terry Waite's uh, kidnap, they give him a pit of bread with salad and hummus in. He bites into it. There's a stone in the olive and his oh. to- he snaps his tooth in half. Oh, God. Can you imagine? So- <sighs> day one, I think he was total six years. Jeez. So uh, the, first, the first thing he says, I'll tell you what, and people think they have to wait a long time for a dentist these days. Exactly. But the first thing he must have said when that door opened and he finally got out after six years, he's... <laughs> they, they did eventually, he did eventually go to get to a dentist, but, Jeez. I mean, not ideal. Oh, my God. So the cosy catastrophe would be E.G. A Mega Man or I Am Legend is the remake. Mm-hmm. Um, Day of the Triffids. Yes. Uh, that bit in the road when they find the bunker that's full of the tins of food. So it's enormous threat from the outside, but you've got a little safe place yeah. where you've got maybe, you know, a 200-year-old brandy, the Mona Lisa hanging on the wall because <laughs> you've grabbed it from the museum because yeah. there's just zombies everywhere. Yeah. But they only come out at night, so the day you can mm. drive your Jaguar XJ220 mm-hmm. down the M4 because you're the only person left. So it was all these weird, slightly unhealthy fantasies, being the only person left in the world. Yeah. Uh, so being very safe inside a confined room, having access to, you know, food, crucially alcohol. Mm. It was a very isolating mindset. It was basically, you know, to strip it down to what it basically is, is I wanted to just drink in my bedroom. (laughs) 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 That's what all of these things are tying into, is that feeling of, like, security and I don't need to go outside because in the outside world, things go wrong mm. and it's scary. In here, I've got my internet, I've got my music, yeah. I've got my cigarettes, and I've got my alcohol. So it's sort of extreme nesting. Yeah, extreme nesting is a very nice kind of hygge way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, extreme nes- nesting slash, you know, active addiction, sort of mental sort of unrest. 
we should say as well that we, as we get to, you know, as we, we carve our way through your shopping history, there's a very happy, not happy necessarily the right word, but there's, there's a good arc towards justice here, right? In terms of what's been going on with you recently. Can yeah, we say I mean, I discover golf. I'll, I'll discover golf at some point soon. Yes. Uh, you'll find lots of... A lot of people will be thinking as if your mental torture wasn't enough. <laughs> you take on yeah. the most horrific sport known to man. Yeah, but I mean, what was that? 2011? We're still in 011. Oh, as I've uh, just renamed it. I'd say career-wise... We're we're getting into the real dark years of like going up to Edinburgh every year, nothing going on for me. Mm. Writing good shows though, the show in two thousand eleven wasn't great. Just slogging away, doing the circuit, little bit of bitterness creeping in, little bit of jealousy. Yes, sort of people from my year group starting to kick on. Yes feeling very much like I was in Bristol and, you know, everyone's in that London and they've all got top agents, that kind of attitude, which is not helpful in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Last person I ever held responsible for anything was myself. Yeah. That kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not there anymore. But it's interesting to go back into that mindset through the medium of my Amazon purchases. It really is. That's what we're here for. We're mindset tourists. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Look, you have discovered electronic nicotine here. I was such an early adopter. I I can't believe it's on Amazon. I remember. Wow. I remember seeing you at a gig, a Radio Wales thing. I, I saw you backstage. I didn't know you that well then, really. And you were on this little look like this like a sort of plastic pen at the back yeah yeah i used to get them from germany and then amazon started doing them so i would have started on them in about 2000 and uh 2011 yeah yeah here we are july uh 11 and you you're vaping you're an early you're an early vapist yes and if it if it is bad for you i will be the first to die that's true i am the canary down the mine i mean it has changed my voice my voice is bit more gravelly than it used to be yeah but not but as much as smoking would have imagine if you'd smoked an equal amount of cigarettes in that time like your voice would be way different that's me vaping on a podcast sound oh, very modern um 14th of july 2011 still the skoda fabia petrol and diesel service and repair manual oh the haynes manual oh haynes and haynes plus skoda i mean how long do we need on this 15 minutes 20 minutes uh, we never ever opened that manual don't know why i bought it we need as, as if i was ever going to change the cam belt myself such a reliable car surely you don't need to it was very reliable car i drove it into the ground mm. all those miles gigging around the country, doing Edinburgh. As you say, interesting, that sort of sense of the bitterness a bit maybe starting to creep in, the competitive edge. Um, but uh, in terms of your Amazon purchase history, you'd never guess that as you buy the complete poems of Philip Larkin. Oh, yeah. Is that the um, the the hardback? The, it's nice. Uh, let me see. The, the purple. £26. Yeah, so that's, that is the actual complete full-on, you know, annotations, everything. I still always go back to the the yellow Faber paperback. I think it's the 1988 Anthony Thwaite, which is, for my money, the definitive selected poems. Yeah. Because um, it, well, it is the collected, but they the when they brought out the new version of that, the green cover, they took out some of the poems. Okay. Um, Was he dead by this point? He, when yeah, did he die? Like 80s? I 88, mean. maybe 87? I studied him at school and I adored him. Oh, he's, yeah, superb. Because it's really basic language, isn't it? That's always the thing. It's very almost conversational. Yeah, the stuff you, you, you do. You know, we did T.S. Eliot and Larkin at the same time, and mm. I liked T.S. Eliot, but I felt like there was codes and references that I was too stupid to understand. And whilst there are loads of references in Larkin that I'm too stupid to understand, there is a basic impact of the language that just works. I don't think it was be that you're too stupid. There's some references that are quite uh, sort of of their time. Mm. Um, but yeah, he wasn't one for complexity for complexity's sake. And that was, he was very anti-modernist in yes. that respect. Though I think he probably had a, more of a fondness for it than he made out. Funny as well. I always think of every single night it comes into my head if I go for a wee, groping back to bed after a piss. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just, that's just in my breath. That's part of my synaptic route. Yeah. There's a bit of larking on the way. But that's what, that, I mean, that poem, that sad steps, isn't it? Mm. Is such, 
a great example of his sort of, you know, very prosaic everyday observations. Mm. You know, the the uh, the wardrobe in the moonlight was it? Um, I'm uh, I part thick curtains and I'm startled by the rapid clouds, the moon's cleanliness, for. Um, what is it? Wedge shadowed gardens lie under a cavernous, a wind picked sky. There's something laughable about this. The way the clouds blow loosely as cannon smoke. I mean, it's fucking amazing. Mm. Captain Beefheart loved that poem. Yeah. Really? The moon thins to an air sharpened blade. Oh, is that is that sad steps? I don't think that's sad steps. But there's Captain. There's an interview with Captain Beefheart where he talks about the fact he's reading Philip Larkin, huh. and he goes, "The moon thins to an air sharpened blade, man." <laughs> What a line. That's so good. So I'm going to have to look up where the line the moon thins. <laughs> yeah, that's going to annoy shot. you now. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Were you yeah. right? No, Go it's uh, Verse du Societe. Was that in High Windows? Uh, yes, my wife and I have invite, have asked a crowd of craps round for dinner. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what I mean. It's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, only the young can be alone freely, I think it is. Uh, such a good poem. He is so good. I was reading one of his poems the other day, The Importance of Elsewhere. Mm. About how when you're abroad, you can sort of um, improve yourself because you're 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 defined by your difference. But when you're at home, there's no excuse. <laughs> just <laughs> just you. Let's go into uh, 2013 now. Boggle reinvention in June 2013. Classic game. Bit of boggle there. Yeah, I mean, lesson learned. Don't mess with it. What, very, it, highly if addictive? It, if it ain't, well, no, it's reinvention. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't do a director's cut of Boggle. Don't add a little timer to the thing. It doesn't need to be mechanised. It doesn't need to be an LED light. Yeah. Let's just have that classic shake. Yeah. When you do a Boggle or any kind of board game, because there are various board games throughout here, do you have favourite people to play it with? You know, how often do you actually manage to, in this day and age of the phone, go, right, everyone, put everything away, we're going to play Othello? No, never. No one ever likes to play board games with me or they start off liking it and then they learn to hate it because <laughs> I'm so competitive and obsessive yeah. that I, so me and my friends learn how to play Settlers of Catan, right? Yeah. And we loved playing it. When I got home from gigs, we'd crack open the Settlers of Catan. Um, it, we would we would start with Christerberg's High on Emotion. <laughs> and then when the first city was laid, we would put on the Miami Vice soundtrack <laughs> and we drink beers. Uh, but then, of course, I ruin it because I then start playing it online. I then start practicing against computer. I then start reading books about and forums about best strategy. Mm. I then took part in the UK Settlers of Catan Championship. Oh, gosh. So, you know, two months later, we've got this wonderful thing we do as a house. Yeah. Oh, John's ruined it because he wins all the time because he's willing to spend mm. eight hours a day yeah. revising for something that, is fun. So that's competitive, but also that is... Same I, happened with Scrabble. I do this. You find something that makes you happy, and I drill it to pieces until it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and no one wants to play with you. <laughs> because you're competitive, and then you end up... Do you have arguments? No, not arguments, because I would get so... I would get so good. It was sort of a form of, like, smugness. Mm. I just knew I was going to win. Yeah. Um, same's happened with Wordle. Yeah. I've got a Wordle WhatsApp group. And yours the first to crack it. Yeah, I'll I'll just it's taken the, some of the fun out of it because I'll happily sit for an hour in the morning. Mm. I wake up at six, make my cup of tea, happily sit with an hour working out every possible word it can be, and then doing the best sort of elimination for that. And yeah, yeah. do you feel empty inside when you win? Oh, it's such a good question because there's like this immovable force meeting an immovable object <laughs> of my need to win. The fact I know I'm ruining it for myself and others, and just the need to win always wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. So you are a winner. That's the important thing. Yeah, but it's sort of at what cost? At what cost being right? That's a new mantra I've got. Mm. At what cost being right? Ah, oh, it's a really good question. Mm. I think it's a really good question to ask yourself in an argument, on Twitter, in a family situation at work, yeah. what price am I willing to pay for being right? I think, as I die, uh, would I rather go through lots of memories of you know happy times with my family, or would I rather just go, I was right? Yeah, 
I think the latter. <laughs> yeah. I think the latter, honestly. Yeah, I was right. Oh, I People should have listened, but they didn't. Burn the laptop <laughs> and die. Since 2003, Juliet has made approximately 1.5 million toasters. And every week at the West Sussex factory, all the 2,000 classic toasters shall be. Now here's a very special competition for you all. With a classic toaster, sandwich cages, a kettle and some more. A travel mug, compostable coffee bags, all guaranteed. Choose the colours you like, subject to availability. Go to julit.com. Let's have a look at uh, 2014 puppy training for kids, uh, December 2014. (laughs) I'd rather have kid training for puppies, but go on. As someone with no kids and an absolute loathing of dogs, it's important to know your enemies. (laughs) Use it as evidence. See, they bite each other. They piss everywhere. What is the worst pre-existing condition for a future partner to have? A kid on board or a dog on board? A dog. Really? Oh, I'd be the world's best stepdad. I'd love to sort of uh, be uh, enter into the sort of stepdad phase, perhaps at about the age where an awful lot of the key training is done. Toilet. Toilet, mouse. mouth closed when eating. Mm-hmm. Um, bed. Bed. And then I can sort of give really good advice, problem solving. Lifts. Oh. Do you need to lift a football? Get in the back of the Sportage. Yes. Yes, I'll take you to the driving range. Oh. Then you can stay and watch and then you stay and play and it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would okay. love all that stuff. All right. Step- Any divorces out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tony Blackburn, Poptastic, My Life in Radio. Oh, well, interesting tale attached to that. Go on. So I started reading from Tony Blackburn's Poptastic My Life in Radio on our XFM show. This is you and Ellis? Yes, because I'd noticed a a Twitter account had started screen grabbing passages from it. I say this with so much love and respect and admiration for Tony Blackburn. Yeah. It is... The funniest book ever written, and I am not joking. Yeah, it's better than Partridge. Well, it was it was a reference point for Partridge. Oh. There are elements of it that are not like lifted wholesale, but have clearly influenced elements of um, I Partridge and Nomad. Mm. Um, every chapter is an absolute goldmine. <laughs> it's also quite interesting because it is the story of the birth of basically popular music and yeah. radio. Yeah. Told through the eyes of someone who got something like 28 million listeners a day. You know, he. That's like five live levels of listenership. That's insane. That is seven times as many people Mm. as would be listening to peak five live now. Mm. So it's a levels of fame you can't really replicate now. 50% of people were listening to that breakfast show. Yeah. So that is interesting. I mean, the way he tells a story about, you know, there's a there's a chapter on his sort of, you know, Alan has my drink and drugs heck. Well, Tony has a chapter on his his drug problem, which he sort of talks about spiraling out, and then and then just this lovely little detail at the end where he says, um, "But I was careful to keep it just to weekends." <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit about how he he always takes dates to the same. Soho restaurant because they do piping hot minestrone soup and he has to have his soup absolutely <laughs> piping hot. There's a bit oh, when, when he gets that. he gets kidnapped and taken to um a he gets kidnapped <laughs> as a prank and taken to a, a sort of a windsurfing lake near Heathrow. <laughs> It's a bit where he gets mobbed by people asking for his autograph, but because they've taken all the lids off their pens, he gets pen all over his sort of <laughs> new jacket. There's there's a bit where he's talking about, oh man, the turn of phrase is exceptional. Yeah. There's a bit where he's talking about these love and soul nights he used to put on at a club in London. Yeah. And he said, he says something like, I think our love and soul nights in Camden did more to bring communities together than anything any politicians have ever done, apart from one night when someone was arrested for murder. (laughs) (laughs) 
and then off the back of that, I wrote so Robins Amongst the Pigeons, which is like my Blackburn-esque, Partridge-esque autobiography, which mm. we read out on the show. And off the back of that, we did, Ellis and I did our first ever live gig together. Okay. And sort of, that was the first time we realised, oh, wow, we've got people who really love our show. Because until then, you're sort of listeners, we always got really nice emails, but until you actually see them and feel them and hear them in a room. Yeah. It was downstairs at the Phoenix in Oxford Circus, not far from where we are now. Yeah. And there was, you know, there's probably only 180 people there, but the noise. Amazing. When we came on stage was unreal. So this is really interesting because we've got to a point here where, you know, we've talked about dark times with you and with the comedy and feeling competitive. And then we see this Tony Blackburn book and that's sort of heralding the beginning of this new bit, right? Which has led to untold success. Like you've done so much stuff now. Yeah. And I think it's just really important to keep trying and if you're, if you are constantly looking outwards at what is holding you back being other people, you're looking in the wrong direction. You need to keep looking to yourself to go, okay, well, what am I doing next? What's my mm. next thing? What's my, keep fucking going. And if you're any good, eventually that thing will arrive yeah. that's yours. And it doesn't have to be liked by millions of people. It doesn't have to be on telly. It doesn't have to be, nowadays especially, you don't have to have that many people on board to really make, you know, a good living, mm. make a bit of an impact and have a product because whether it's, you know, social media or Twitter or podcasting or uh, Patreon or live stuff, mm. you can, you can, you can be creative and cover your rent and your food and put a bit of money aside without that, you don't need 28 million listeners no. anymore. Yes. And that's great and it's really freeing. Yes. Uh, but it, you've got to, you know, I could... You have to keep going because the numbers start so slowly, 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 and you've just got to keep ploughing away. And that's the big message, right, you would send back to yourself in 2011 when you're reading about locked-in syndrome. Is just, keep going. Keep going. Keep you, going. You will break out. <laughs> but also start looking at what you can control. Interesting. Stop worrying about other people and stop... Stop resenting things that are nothing to do with you. Oh, I'm a resenter. But the amount of times I I've been like... I feel like you like, should be my therapist sometimes, John. This is, that's so me. I still do it terribly. The amount of times I'm like, how is he doing that thing? And my friend will say to you, John, you, t- you turn that down. Yeah, okay. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that sort of mindset is yes. so common amongst comedians. Yeah. How did, how did that get commissioned? Well, because someone wrote it. Yeah. What have you? What have you got? I didn't write it. I didn't get around to writing my I version did, of that. Yeah, but my mind's in my head. Mm. But someone should have knocked on my door and said, "John, we're suspicious. There might be something in your head. Here's a million pounds. It's just not going to happen." So you've got to keep creating. It's so weird, though, isn't it? That point at which you you almost feel entitled to it. You know you're good, and you think it's just going to arrive at your doorstep, and it turns out it's not quite as simple. Oh, it's that. poor me, poor me, poor me. Yeah, it's a one. bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So yeah, my message to myself would be: look a little. Let's have a little look in the mirror, mate. Also by some Camden weeknight, 18th of December, 2020. We're in 2020 now, by the way. So look, this is you beginning. 2020? Yeah, we've skipped on ahead. Okay, so we're locked down almost. Well, yeah, 18th of December, 2020 was when we were just yeah, about yeah. to go into the worst, I think, lockdown in 2021. Um, but weeknight, obviously, that is a, that's a, that's a breakfast lager right there. Does that hint <laughs> Does that hint at uh, edging towards going in? Maybe I'm drinking a bit much? Oh, well, years before that. I mean, 2017, mm. I started... Mod, trying to moderate and control my drinking, mm. which I thought had been very, very successful, and only now do I realise slowly, slowly drove me to the, to, as someone once said, to the gates of insanity or death. I mean, I was losing my mind, but that would have been totally part of that. So Camden weeknights three percent. Yeah. So in my thinking, you know, I'm trying to have more days off alcohol a week. I'm trying to drink the weakest stuff I can. So I cut out spirits in 2017. They sort of, you know, the odd phasing back in. Yeah. But I was, so I would, what would happen is I would get Camden weeknight when it wasn't available in Tesco because they had one unit a can. Mm. So I would have like six of them and I would get a bottle of Riesling because Riesling's like 9%. So Riesling's say, uh, what would that be? Like eight units. Mm. 
So I've got my six units of weak beer, my eight units of weak uh, wine. So that was that 14 units, and I'd probably have a couple of ciders, Jeez. but like 4% ciders. When was it? This is 2020. Yeah. Did you, you knew you had a problem? No, I thought I had solved my problem by doing stuff like this. By, yeah, mathematically sort of yeah, arranging yeah, yeah. it in front of you, doing admin. Yeah, so you, so I'd gone from like drinking half a bottle of rum a night and a couple of beers, which sounds, you know, for some reason, half a bottle of rum do, sounds like you've got a problem. Mm. It's exactly the same as drinking six fucking, what, 3% yeah. lagers. And a weak wine, yeah. And then you know, a couple, a couple of ciders for pudding because you can't get to. You need to really just. But I was just always drinking to the same place, regardless of what it was. By yourself? Yeah. Or, or well, that was lockdown, so it's complicated because mm. I was, um, I was sort of in between my house because I live on my own, my um, then partner's place, mm. and I was sort of. I'm aware now, looking back, I wasn't the best company because part of me was sort of when can I get to the bit where I can drink freely because mm. I always felt around other people I had to sort of give the impression of drinking normally right so I'll have you know yeah I'll have oh I might just have a beer before dinner and I'll open a bottle of wine while I'm cooking which all feels quite normal but inside I'm sort of I'm like holding back a bit and then I'll get back to my house yeah, and here we go. Speed. Properly yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Bam, oh, bam, man, bam. gone. Just gone. Where's it go? I mean, oh, fuck me. The amount of times I like to say, right, not drinking tonight. You've got early start tomorrow. And, I, and as I'm saying that, not only have I poured myself a can of Guinness, it's finished. Wow. So I'm like, as I'm finishing the sentence going, come on, John, you can get through. It's just, oh, oh, it's gone. Okay, here we go. We're on it. Let's go. But this is what they say, right? It, there's just, it's like someone else is doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's you inside going, I'm nothing. What? I can't control it. I'm just a vehicle for like alcohol consumption. It drove me insane over years. So here you are on an, an, a zero unit scenario now. That's it. Yeah, nothing. sober as a J. Every single day. That's the thing, isn't it? The, yeah. Every day you don't drink. That's all you think about is the yes, day. Just, I mean, we, I was on the way here thinking, Christ, I've got my tour coming up. God, which Tom I'm Price, sure, I, need, <laughs> I need something strong. But, you know, thinking like, I've got Edinburgh next week starts. How are you going to get through that? And you just have to go, well, we're not going to get through that today. No. Because that's, you can't do anything about that now. Yeah. You know, it's like worrying about a round of golf tomorrow. I can't play that round of golf now. So there's no point worrying about it now. Are it's, we allowed to talk about golf now? It's a sort of analogy with alcohol. I think we can yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, unleash sure, the sure, golfing. Sure. Well, have um, there been any golfing products? Well, the golfing products have been hanging around. I've skipped over a few, but we're in 2020. I've skipped on ahead. Here we have uh, the Absolute Booties Premium Bamboo Golf Tees. I love a bamboo golf tee. Love a bamboo golf tee. It really makes up for all the eco-crimes that golf performs around the world. Well, it makes you feel better about chucking things into <laughs> bushes. People do <laughs> you know, It's made of bamboo. It's like people who say, oh, it's biodegradable, this, this dog shit bag. So yeah. I'll just chuck it in a hedge. We're still going to be there for 50 years. So annoying. The bamboo teas, chuck it in, the pandas can have it. So look, let's go into 2021 and let's see what is uh, what is going on in 2021. Um, nice. Uh, uh, donut cushion for pressure relief, orthopaedic ring seats for hemorrhoids. <laughs> Do you know what? That was bought uh, just because the I had such a crappy office chair at home, lockdown. Mm, mm. Uh, so the hemorrhoid air element was not helpful at the time. However after a lockdown of sitting, did really come into its own. And is the ring seat cushion good for the ring? Uh, it is, but I've since upgraded to a kneeling chair. Okay. They so the hemorrhoids have amazing. brought you to your knees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got a handheld hoover, the Beldre. Uh, That's Reva crap. Oh, I'm sorry. It's absolute crap. You don't want to buy it again? Because I can. No. Seventy-two ninety-nine. The last thing I want to do is buy that Beldre again. It's I, rubbish. Well, can I say one word on behalf of them? Mm. I'm not an ambassador of Beldre but I'm interested if you're watching. Clean your filters. It, no, it's just a load of crap. Really? I bought, if we could get up to my, if you, I don't know if you get up to the shark upright hoover, oh. 
is one of the greatest things. Yeah. This says more about my life than the quality of the shark hoover. The greatest things in my life. As yeah. someone who'd always used one of those kind of really clunky, heavy hoovers that made a lot of noise and you would just, mm. you'd be on a flat like wooden floor mm. and you would push it over a load of, I don't know, flour that you dropped mm. and just nothing would happen. I'd lived with that for 10 years <laughs> to suddenly be in the it's world. the acceptance of it as you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually just sort of yeah. rolling this in further into the pile. Flower famously heavy and dense, of course. Why? How would the Hoover be able to suck that? The up? shark upright Hoover. Yeah. It is nimble. It is quiet. It's got a light on the front. Mm. It goes down completely flat to get under a table. The you just pull off the little attachment and you've got yourself a handheld. The Beldre cowering in the corner. Wow. You Try hate that harder, thing. Beldre. It's not good enough, Beldre. It's not good enough. Well, I hope they're not watching now. Well, maybe they are. Well, they I hope should, they up their game. Yeah, try and compete with the shark, although it's hard. It's One hard. of my pet hates is cheap stuff that's shit. I would rather, like saying about the printer, mm. I would rather pay Thousand 200 pounds. quid yeah. for something that works than 45 quid for something that breaks immediately and is crap. Yeah. I mean, and I think Amazon's quite bad for that, actually. Yes. It's gone, take headphones, for example. It's got a hell of a lot of stuff in the 10 to 20 pound bracket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, and it's it's almost disposable. Mean, and I don't mean luxury stuff. I don't mean paying for the sake of a brand or to have a certain type of headphone. But I mean, give me something that just works really well. Look at that, the Shark Upright vacuum cleaner. It's the NZ eight five zero UK that you've got. It's so good. Two two nine. Yeah, I happy more than happy with that. Think how many times you're going to Hoover it. How many times are you going to do that? If you pay a pound for every time you do it. You're making money back. A billion years. Yeah, exactly. I'll have that. I'll have that vacuum for a billion years. Exactly. So that's how long you're going to live. Now you're all super healthy. That's true. Well, I hope you like yourself. This is the big point, right? Well, because you're going to have to spend a lot longer with yourself now. This is what's going to happen: is you do all this kind of work on yourself, and then you just get hit by a bus. But just <laughs> you just make a slightly bigger dent. <laughs> if he had so much protein, the muscles yeah. did so much damage to the bus. Yeah. The last thing you bought, this was delivered on Tuesday, was the coffee disc mesh and fine, a reusable stainless steel metal filter for use with the Aeropress coffee maker. And it's a happy end. You know, we started this episode. <laughs> we started this episode with uh, with a CD of an interesting musical thing as you began your journey from Bristol into comedy. Yeah. Going, you know, struggling with yourself, struggling with comedy. And here we are. Drinking up. What I always try and do, by the way, you may have noticed, I try and take the last item that you bought and turn it into something that reflects on you as a person where you are now. Well, so it's sort of, me. it's change and more of the same in some senses because I am now into coffee. Yeah. I'm a coffee guy. Great. That's how I identify. Lovely. Um, do you do I, units? Do you work out how many units of caffeine there are and you have to? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We are weighing our dose. Um, I have controlling. Be- I have, in a sense, become everything I hate because I was. <laughs> I think we should leave it there. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I was the guy in the pub going, "What the fuck are you doing having coffee? Yeah. It's Monday night. Mm. It's half past six on a Monday. Yeah. It's pub time, not latte time." However, now, like all people who eventually stop drinking, I'm now into coffee grinders. I'm into. Do you hand grind? I hand grind. Because you can really control the... I've got my espresso grind for my first two cups. I've got my low caffeine, not decaf. Ah, that's a way to do it, isn't it? That's a varietal, so they don't interfere with the bean. It just happens to have lower caffeine in it. Mm. Then I've got decaf for the evening. I've got my AeroPress, and I realised that I needed a slightly wider hole in my AeroPress mesh filter, because I don't use paper, I use a metal one. Yeah. And sure, it gives me a slightly muddier cup, mm. but that's what I like. A muddy cup of coffee. I don't like it to be too clean and acidic, actually. Oh, my God. I don't like citrus notes. Oh, uh, no. Well, I see. I, like I hate myself. I, I love a chocolatey round flavour. Um, I do. Mm. Give me your chocolates. Give mm. me your caramels. Give me your toffee. Yeah, give yeah. me your biscuit. Treat me. Do not give me your lemon. No. Your no. blackberry. It's an aggressive coffee. Your red currant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, don't. Yeah. I don't want it. No. Some people say, you know, no one wants to be a glass of water. You are, John Robbins, a muddy cup of coffee. I like 
muddy. I like cowboy coffee. I like cupping. Yeah. I just like to cup. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Look who God. You've I've got to go to Edinburgh. We haven't even talked about my fucking tour yet. We need to talk about your tour. We need Let to people you... stop listening now. It's, it's... <laughs> They've all gone. They've long since gone. It's just you and me on the night bus. I've been on your YouTube channel. I know the importance of making a good impression here because 23 people have watched Jason Manford talk about where, why he bought a comb. <laughs> you really have been on there. If just oh 1% God. of those people buy a ticket. That's 0.23 tickets. <laughs> oh, God, this is, really, this is a really important part. Um, so listen... Uh, we are at the end of the episode and it's been a hell of a journey and people can continue their journey with you, John. Uh, your new tour, Howl, your new show, that's going. is that going to Edinburgh then in August? Yes. For, are you doing the whole month? Yes, two shows. Jesus. A day? Yes. Two different shows a day? Yes. With no alcohol? Yes. Okay, and no golf? You've got to take your golf clubs. Take my golf clubs, playing okay. Muirfield. Are you really? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> A genuine look of anger there. It's really furious. Um, um, yeah, so I'm doing Howl at 8.50. I'm doing a work in progress at 3.10. Whack those together. Bish, bash, bosh. You've got yourself a tour show starting on the 14th of September, running till the 15th of December. Yeah. Uh, do check johnrobbins.com for details. If you want to hear the story behind the story behind the Amazon purchases. Good. Really nice. Thanks, so man. in many ways, your tour is a spin-off to this interview. That's Do you know what? In many ways, it is, actually. It is the story of what we've been discussing here. It's an interesting story. It's an honest story. And it's a funny story. That was so great. Thank you, John. No, thank you. That was really funny. Thank you, John Robbins, for coming on. My mate bought a toaster. What a hero. And the lols don't have to stop there. You can head to patreon.com slash toasterpod and hear the other bits, which we had to cut out. Otherwise, it would have been like an hour and 40 minutes long. There's moments like this. This is uh, one of the biggest books of 2009. I'm not surprised you bought it. Jaguar, the complete story. <laughs> If you want to know the story as to why he bought Jaguar the Complete Story, go to patreon.com slash toasterpod. For as little as three quid a month, you can support our little tiny show. Next week on My Mate Bought a Toaster, the final episode of this series, we find out what makes Alex Brooker tick. I love Christmas. I, I love I love boy bands. I love the OC. I love Dawson's Creek. I love... The bodyguards, the love all yeah, yeah, that yeah. stuff like that. So I'm not ashamed about it. And now after interviewing him, I love him too. We found out all sorts of stuff. Quite weird facts like this. Rifle shooting is the most naturally good I've ever been at anything. There you go. There's your Alex Brooker trivia. He is fantastic. Really, really funny, funny guy. Um, I mean, my favourite moment. Listen, you've made it this far into this podcast. I'm going to reward you. Here's a clip of my favourite bit from next week's episode. You don't know true fear until you can't find your leg after a one-night stand. (laughs) Sorry, that is too funny to only play once. I'm going to play it again. You don't know true fear until you can't find your leg after a one-night stand. All that and more on next week's last episode of this series of My Mate Bought a Toaster. Thank you, thank you so much for listening. If you get a moment to give us a nice review, that would really, really help. Ha, <sighs> we're done. See you next week. It's my mate bought a toaster. Oh, it's my mate bought a toaster. Yeah, yeah, my mate bought a toaster. What's a sandwich cage? <laughs>